0: My name is Ashley Turner I am a domestic violence survivor and I went from being the victim and poor me about my domestic violence to being an award-winning professional and saying fuck you to my adversity and instead using it as fire in my belly because I am a big believer that we need to be the change that we want to see in our world and in our lives and the only way we can do that is by taking responsibility for our lives and Taking responsibility for adversity to move forward, to heal, to empower ourselves and empower each other. So let's get straight into the podcast where we say fuck you to adversity and we use it as fire in our bellies. Just thought I'd let you know today's session is sponsored by my new ebook called Empower Your Time where I share with you 25 tips to Increase your productivity, give you those time management skills, show you how to host effective meetings in the workplaces and how to use your calendar to your advantage, but as well how to stop procrastinating and to prioritize your life. If you'd like a copy, head to my website. Today's episode is an empowered conversation. What does this mean? This is one of the segments from my podcast where I will be interviewing an empowering person who will be sharing their triumph over adversity story or be sharing a personal, passionate, empowering topic to help you, give you the tools, give you the tips and tricks and insight how you can overcome your own personal adversity. So let's get straight into it. Welcome back to Empower With Ash. Today's empowering guest that I have is the beautiful Jessica, who is locked up in Melbourne at the moment as well. We just had a chat before and at least she's going to have another conversation with a human being and not her four walls, as most of my guests have been having lately. Um, but I do just want to say thank you so much, Jess, for you know catching up with me. Your story is so empowering, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. And um, first of all, let's introduce you, Jess, welcome.
1: Thank you. um it's really nice to be here. It's really
0: nice to be invited. Um, <laughs> By a fellow warrior. Yes, I love that. Survivors in our own rights. Warriors, I love it. Um, But what I would love to just get straight into, because I'll sit here talking for like 10 minutes about you, let's just get you to talk about yourself. So how about you take us back to your sort of empowering your um, adversity, your triumph over adversity story. Set the scene for us. Like, What was that, I guess, that adversity you were facing, your rock bottom, however you want to, you know, describe it. Take us through that.
1: It's interesting. It's a, it's a combination between, I guess, health devastation and then emotional turmoil. Mm. So there are multiple points where I thought it was my rock bottom, but just wait, just wait, there's more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's life.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, the first time I, I really thought that things were going really sour was when I almost died of septicemia. Um, had to defer uni and it was, yeah, it was really, really tough. Um, but, you know, I was able to come back from that. But it, I guess, with the medications and also my body, um, things hadn't completely healed like I wasn't the same as I was before and I think with you know emotional stress uh, moving moving into state leaving my job being with my partner and then bre- everything breaking down um like my health just I couldn't get a handle on it like um and I went back to the doctor, they prescribed me a bunch of things, I got significantly worse. Um, and I just kept going back and hoping for something better, and every time I would, I would get so much worse, to the point where I got so fearful with the association of a doctor. Um, and, yeah, I guess it got to the point where they said, you know, I'd never get better, um, I was 40 kilos, I could barely eat anything, uh, and, yeah, I was just miserable. I had this severe skin condition on top of it, and my face was completely swollen and blown out. Uh, I didn't want to live anymore. It was just so, so hard. I didn't look like myself. I didn't want to tell anyone. I just wanted to get back to the way I was and continue, you know, my life but that wasn't going to happen uh eventually I had to go through that process of accepting where I was at um without necessarily settling for it
0: can you take us through how did you pronounce it septicemia is that how you said it well there you Mm -hmm. go well done Ashley said it correctly um (laughs) can you take us through what that is so for people that don't know what that is what are the symptoms all of that sort of stuff
1: Sure. So um, it started off with as a, you know, a routine urinary tract infection, um, and it just spread throughout my body, which is really problematic because um, septicemia is what they call blood poisoning, and uh, you know, then you, all your organs start to fail. It's basically an infection on your entire body, and it just starts to attack every organ. Um. And, yeah, so for me, I was in excruciating pain, excruciating pain. So from, like, I could feel everything from the tips of my toes to the top of my head, like every bone, every, you know, muscle, like tendon. Like you can just feel everything is aching. Everything Mm -hmm. is agony. Um, And, you know, by the time I got to the doctor, I had ulcers all up my throat. I couldn't breathe. Uh, properly, and yeah, I was just really foggy, I was just exhausted, just really, really exhausted, couldn't think, because my temperature was over 40 degrees, yeah, my my doctor was like, whoa, like, you could have brain damage, all this sorts of stuff, so I was, but I was so in pain, I didn't even react, like, he's like, you could die, didn't even react, I was just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so exhausted, so and almost in disbelief, probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's
0: it's it's
1: it's um it's really serious.
0: Mm-hmm. I just want you, everyone to get paint the picture with that to go how serious it is. Yeah.
1: So antibiotics are used to, to help the infection um, but as a, as a result of all the antibiotics my guts weren't quite the same I had all these sensitivities that I hadn't had before but they weren't super severe uh, but then they began to develop and my a skin condition and I started breaking up in rashes and all these sorts of things and uh, after that going to the doctor and they prescribed skin conditions because That's what they were looking at, is looking at the skin condition. Um, Even though I told them all the other symptoms I was having, they saw them as unrelated. So because my skin started to get so out of control after their their treatments with more antibiotics, which I later realized, like, yeah, because it's exacerbating the underlying cause, um, you know, anti-inflammatories, all these sorts of things it just yeah it got to a point where they're like we don't even know what to do with you you're such a severe case like you're not going to get better um which started out seemingly like not a big deal so that was that was hard to swallow
0: (laughs) as it would be oh my gosh wow so you had the blood poisoning then you had you were developing like the the skin condition off the back of that as well? Is that what you were saying? Or is that a separate thing together? Sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, was it separate or is it sort of intertwined? Like as you get one thing, you'll develop another thing and then sort of another thing off the back of it.
1: Yeah. So it's like I was able to keep certain things in check. So I would break out into rashes all over my body and – that was off the bat of the septicemia and then I would notice certain sensitivities with food. I would have, like, weeks of being ill, so then I'd be like, oh, I'm not going near that food again. And I would be able to kind of keep on top of things, and then the skin stuff would go away um, after, like, a month or something. So it wasn't, a, like, it didn't seem like it was chronic until it started on my face. And uh, then it was really difficult to get it away because I just I was like then oh I'm going back to the doctor this is I don't want it on my face I'm going through all this stress I'm moving I've left my job like I'm moving with my pa-, like all this sorts of stuff and then yeah it just when I started taking those meds it just there was no turning back it was it got extremely severe really really quickly in my decline was shocking
0: Mm. and take us through like i guess your mental health through that because i know as as a human being but as a woman to go through that and then to i guess i put myself in your shoes like and then to have you know things on my face or my body and then that would impact me to go oh my worth my confidence am i beautiful like all these sort of things would start going through my head that's how i think of it so take us through that like what was your mental health during that and how did it change how you see yourself, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Well, I definitely did not see myself as a shallow person. Mm -hmm. I didn't put a lot of emphasis. I mean, I did definitely grow up around uh, male figures that put a lot of emphasis on appearance and I – was I always remember like growing up how shocked I was by that like the the and it did make me conscious that other people thought that way but I really just wanted to keep it at arm's length you know and but I didn't realize until this happened how much that affected me because I had a lot of my work when it came to relationships when it came to to men tied up in how attractive I was found, you know.
2: Mm.
1: And so there was such a deep shame around uh, my appearance, the fact that I didn't even look like myself anymore, the fact that I had no control over this decline. I was so scared. And especially especially when I lost so much weight, um, I was a skeleton. Mm. I was – I've never – like that – really disturbed me when I saw myself in the mirror just a skeleton like I didn't even have a figure anymore Mm -hmm. and so just you know ribs and bone and uh yeah and this horrific skin condition um so that was really hard to come to terms with and to tell people that, because I was so stuck in this mindset of like, I have to be back to how I was Mm -hmm. in like, no one can know about this. Um, So I sheltered myself, you know, I kept myself in my room. I didn't really see the outside world because every time I would go outside, um, people would stare at me they would be really shocked um, they would no one would like They'd either they'd stare at my face but no one would ever look me in the eye so I felt like a real freak of nature mm. and also the elements were too harsh on my skin and so it became very very difficult to to live
2: mm.
1: um, at all and yeah, so I was very, very depressed, didn't Didn't like myself at all and carried a lot of shame
0: mm. and fear. It breaks my heart when I hear you Lo, say all of that because you just, I don't know, I know exactly what you mean. There's people that would just stare at certain people but then they're not even looking at you kind of thing, if that makes sense, and it's just like, if I see that in the shops, like, I'm one of those people that will, like, look at them, like, are you fucking serious? Like, what are you doing kind of thing? It's a human being. Why are you looking at it like it's a fucking caged animal kind of thing? Like, and it breaks my fucking heart because it's like you're judging someone based on their looks kind of thing. You have Mm -hmm. no fucking idea what they've gone through. You you know, fuck all. Like, that's how I see it. So don't judge them based on what they look. That's, like, 10% of who they are kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I guess take us through that, like, how – Judgment, I think, is something that we do naturally, but sometimes we're not aware of what we're doing because I think for me personally how I see judgment is we judge others based on how we judge ourselves. It's like this level of of standards or morals or expectations that we have of ourselves, therefore we judge that upon everyone else kind of thing. So take us through that. How did you go with people judging you based on that and how you were judging yourself with it all as well?
1: Yeah, so when I in, – in the moments
0: where I would get the most extreme
1: kind of disgust-type reactions, I think that, that actually brought me back into perspective. Mm-hmm. And that did make me think, wow, like how much does that person hate themselves mm-hmm. to be – to feel disgust, for me to trigger disgust just by existing. Uh it hurt though, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the moments where you, you see disgust, it's it you know it hits you right in the gut. <laughs> but it doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. There's there's cognitive dissonance there where it's like you have to understand, like you have to make sense of it, and you can't make sense of anything that you've done. You haven't done anything to, do, to deserve that disgust. So and it's not about who you are, obviously. So, in a way, it's a weird gift because it puts it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess with anything, when you have nowhere to go, when when you do hit that rock bottom, there is that deeper reflection that needs to occur. And for me, I'm wondering, you know, what, are, what can I possibly learn from this? You know, this... Is excruciating but there has to be a reason or at least I, I, I must make meaning from this you know yeah. and so I started to realize upon reflection that wow like I'm putting so much emphasis on what I look like and so are other people mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm putting so much emphasis on that when it's not a value I have. It has so little meaning. You know, it doesn't really make up who I am. How have I lost who I am based on this? And I started to realise that there were so many there were so many instances in my life that created this perception that my worth was 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 here. And I started to think, well, what do I value in other people? Who like that? Who is important to me? And it
0: had nothing
1: to do with appearance. And slowly, through you know that vulnerability showing up, um, being seen by those who who care about me, which was extremely anxiety provoking for someone who's been hiding, to go out there and be like, you didn't know, but I'm different now. And to see that eventually, even though there's that shock moment, there's that shock element, there's that fear element, like my mother, for example, just burst into tears. <laughs> um, and friends who didn't recognize me at first, um, You know, after five minutes, all they can see is me. And that shows me that there's just so much more. It's not just an idealized hope that there's more to a person, that there's more value to a person than what society at large puts on so many of us. And so that, I feel, was the beginning of my healing, was that exposure and that, affirmation that there are there are people out there who who love me for me and not for the way I look, which I didn't even realise I was indoctrinated into believing.
0: Yes. <laughs> like, it's not until you go through something like this then you have these moments, you're like, holy shit, like and your whole life and your whole perception of life changes, I swear. Like as a domestic wild survivor. Everything's changed. You asked me five years ago, my opinion to who I am, sort of now, and the people you surround and you attract is completely different. And when you were saying, like, what do you value from people? If you think about all your friends or family members around you, you don't even consider for a moment what they look like. It's like what they bring to the table, like, kind of thing. That's what you value, but society. We I don't know how it's all sort of happened. It's happened so quickly. But, you know, social medias and that makes you think of things from like a one-dimensional perspective. It's the what you look like kind of thing, it, nothing else. And it's hard to break, as you said. It's hard. And then it's harder when you realise, holy shit, like I actually base my value or my worth on what I look like or certain aspects of me. It's like this, oh, my God, I am one of them. Like one of It's like you're in denial. I don't do that. And then you go through that. And then you're like, oh, my God, I do. And the other little meltdown that you go through it all. But take us through. So before you, you know, I guess, you know, showed up to your friends, your family and decided to share them, like how did you go from what I call that victim mentality, like the poor me, how is this sort of happening to me to, you know what, fuck that, this is me and I'm going to show up and what I call be a sort of warrior mindset to, you know, strengthen yourself from those experiences. So take us from, like, how you got there?
1: Well, I would say it's it's not necessarily as clear-cut as all of a sudden I only see myself this way. Um, there were multiple times where I would feel that empowerment mm-hmm. and this determination and this way and this stubbornness, which I have... <laughs> Uh, and then there would be breakdowns, mm-hmm. and then there would be meltdowns, like multiple times, and, you know, throughout years, because I'm going, you know, I was going through a lot. So I guess the way to continuously come back to that, uh, honestly, is to 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 really feel it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to really start to honor it. Um, one of the biggest things for me was changing that idea of what strength is because I, I, I feel like through my life I've, I've, I've held that space for others and uh, probably been way too stoic and not necessarily once again outwardly thought people were weak for crying or weak for showing emotion. However, I was worried about being perceived that way. So I was not, I wasn't a vulnerable person, you know. And so going through that process of, of really even the, like of trusting other people and, and, and allowing myself to cry, allowing myself to cry in my own space standing up for myself when people would say, just be strong, you're the strong one, or, you know, don't cry, don't this or don't that, I would allow myself to, like, fully pity myself, like, and fully just cry and fully just feel it. And because a lot of it, you know, it's, it's justified. Those feelings are justified. But eventually, you know, you don't want to stay there. Mm. You don't want to just keep justifying why you're miserable Yeah. because you don't have to stay there. You don't have to be there and you don't want to be there. You want to be somewhere else. So it would always take me back to a spot where I would get clarity because the emotions been released and there would be some clarity there to go, okay, well, what can I control? Okay, who do I want to be? Mm.
2: Mm.
1: Where do I want my value to lie? Yeah. You know, how can I build up these other pillars of myself that feel like have just
0: broken down?
1: So it would be about taking
0: those steps towards that. I love that. There was many mic drop moments in that that bit right there. If I had one, I'd be like, you drop it. No, I love that. I love that. And especially your quote around change of perspective of what strength is and I've you know that this is literally one of my empowered principles is embrace vulnerability because to me it's courage like 100 percent it's courage you're showing up no matter what in your owning it and you know even just with I guess leadership as you see in businesses they're actually slowly realizing oh if you're actually vulnerable and not this mr tough guy kind of thing people are actually going to connect with you more and it's the same with this like having a little cry, acknowledging the pain, accepting it, and then go, okay, I have my little moment, and then you can try and move on again. It's it's life. It's You're human because if you don't, then you're going to get worse from it, aren't you? If you bottled all that up, holy shit, I can tell you right now, I'd be exploding. I'd be, like, angry and just, like, tense and just not, I don't know, your, your chakras would be all unbalanced. Like, everything would just not feel right and Unlike you, you've just got to acknowledge the pain. So I love that. So with, I guess, your self-healing and, you know, I guess your forgiveness and all that sort of self with with yourself, like what did you do for your sort of self-love journey to learn to love and accept who you were and who you were becoming?
1: I think I used others as a reflective point. You know, there were different stages of which, you know, I was, I feel like my physical healing uh, journey was parallel in many ways to how I saw myself, um, how I was changing. Um, there are multiple different elements because there are so many facets to a human being. Uh, I think, as I said before, like the first step is is that vulnerability, and then you you add to that. You know, there's always something that you're afraid of to share. There's always another layer that of shame that can be shared, and so it's that continuous. It's that commitment to yourself.
2: Mm.
1: So I was afraid of people leaving me. I, I did. I did feel like I was abandoned by you know practitioners and those who you know I thought would support me but it was too hard I would never get better that was the narrative and I realized that I needed to commit to myself I needed to really choose me regardless of who was rejecting me regardless of the people who saw me as Monstrous or hideous or whatever it was uh, that, no matter what happened, I had to I had to commit to myself. I had to back myself if I was ever going to be happy, if I had any chance of ever getting better, if I was able, if I was going to create a life that I, I wanted. Mm-hmm. I had to commit to myself. I couldn't say, "Oh, just because you no longer look like you, I'm giving up. You're not worth it anymore." Or, you know, I, you know, we have this idea that we want people to love us unconditionally, but we have all these conditions for ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So that was the biggest thing for me was that no matter what, I've got you. Mm. And at times I would be so angry at sometimes I would be so self-pitying. Sometimes I'd be so frustrated. Um, but I could always come back to that. I'm like, well, are you going to give up now? No, you're not mm-hmm. going to give up now. So what's the next step?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, other people were the reflective points. So, um, you know, when people would, would outside would judge me. I would get really angry. I would get really upset, and then I would think, okay, well, how are you judging yourself?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I would reflect on those things. Um, but it was a continuous process. It's a continuous process of you know shedding that shame, showing up vulnerably, whether that's publicly or in mm-hmm. my um, friendships and my family, because. Once you start showing up and being the person that you want to be, like acting as the person that you want to be, you start to see all the benefits and all the fears just, you know, melt away because they're not true. Mm-hmm. There are so many, there are so many benefits to putting up boundaries. There's so many for the other person. There are so many um, benefits to being vulnerable with those people who you're really afraid to be a little bit vulnerable with um, because it gives them permission to do the same. Mm -hmm. You see these changes within your relationships based on how you're showing up differently and how you're healing. And it just, it's always a little bit scary, but it it, it gets easier because you have more confidence in yourself. You have more self-assurance and, I think the great thing about going through anything traumatic or any ordeal is that you start to connect. You don't you don't put up with as much bullshit. Yes. You don't have as much time for the BS. Yes. You, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to go, no, nah, that's not what I want or that's not what I deserve and to – cultivate the opposite of those things Mm. go really not happy with the way that that person's displaying x y and z how can i be more of the opposite Mm. how can i be even more of the opposite and like really just being just taking what you need from those negative experiences and then what i found is a richness of friendships and relationships and a friend family and even the relationships with you know, many of my family, it's it's so much deeper and richer and I feel more seen than I ever have before.
0: I love that. Because
1: I realised before I wasn't allowing people to see me either because I had this subconscious belief that all my value and all my worth was in an appearance, was in the external and that's something that drove a lot of fear that I was worried to be more of myself because I didn't think that was worth anything. And so no one was really seeing me for me back then and I only allowed people who saw me now for me.
0: Mm. That is powerful, like powerful. I'm so proud. I was like, that is so good. Oh, my gosh. That's definitely going to be your teaser right there. Boom. That bit right there. <laughs> I love um, your little marketing mind. You're just like, yep. Oh, I am so like that. I'm just writing all this down. Like that was at 40 minutes and like 40 seconds <laughs> writing that one. Yeah, thank you. That was really good. It was powerful because similar to what you've said, like as a woman and who I was, you know, years ago kind of thing, Was I showing up? Yeah. Was I really present? No. Did I feel seen or heard? No. And I used to blame others for that, to go, no, you didn't see me, you didn't hear me. And then, you know, who I am today went, no, it's fucking not them, actually it was you. You never allowed people to see you or to truly hear you because the way you communicated or expressed yourself or showed up, was not authentically you. You were being like a shell of you kind of thing. And it's this thing as I think you as you mature in age and you go through shit like you said, and now you're like, you know what? Like I don't give a fuck about XYZ now. I haven't got time for I've got the patience, the right people will come into my life that need to be there. And if you don't want to, you know, um a spot on the boat, then bugger off kind of thing. There's room for other people. Like you just go through that and then you open your heart to like I know better quality people suited for you who you are at the time because you are who you attract. So I don't know, you I resonate with everything that you just said, like completely. And it's I think what you've said as well is it's this inner power you have. You go through shit and you might feel like you're powerless, you have nothing, but once you've accepted it and really grown from it, you it's like a power to you now. Like you choose what you do with it. And you could still be sitting there feeling sorry for yourself, hiding from your friends and family, but you didn't. You chose to go, you know what, this is me and I'm going to show up and be there. And if they want to walk away, then, you know, okay, they weren't right for me. They weren't who I thought they were. And if they stay, it shows the type of people that they are, that you are and you've attracted them into your life. So I think that's very powerful. Well done <laughs> for that whole thing. No worries. I love that. Something I do want to ask you is, I guess, you've gone through it. How long, how old were you? So how many years ago did this all start? How long have you been on this journey for?
1: Um, I would say septicemia. Uh, I feel like that was the trigger point. Mm. Um, That was when I was 23, and now I'm 28.
0: Okay, so you've been battling through it for a few years and so, and you're getting more sort of strength as shit, life throws shit at you, you have to go overcome it. That's just life for you. And I love yeah. right at the start you're like, ah, well, I thought that was rock bottom, but it just keeps getting worse. I love that. <laughs> like, what do you want me to learn karma? Okay? What is it? In my previous life, what am I learning now? So, what made you want to open up about this? Because you know you're talking about your story and about empowering other people, similar to me, but you know different stories on your social media and everything like that. So, tell me, like, what made you go? You know what? I'm actually going to share with the world my story, how I've got there, and I want to help others. Take us through that. It came
1: from an injustice. This feeling of injustice, uh, because once I started to see myself get a little get better after being told I'd only get worse I wanted to say I wanted to you know go back to these specialists and go hey you're wrong (laughs) um this is this is you know like this has been caused by pharmaceuticals um yes I had an underlying vulnerability right but this is like, this, like these things need to be said. Mm. These, these things need to be understood because maybe I'm a rare occurrence, but how, is it really worth that avenue for someone, mm. right? Like this is going to take me years and years, like potentially, right? At the time, if I knew how long it would take, I probably would have given
0: up. <laughs> oh, Let's be, be real.
2: real. <laughs> yes. Overwhelming.
1: Oh, <laughs> which is why I think it's so important to take things a step at a time. But they could not care less.
2: Mm.
1: They were just like, oh, you're getting better by yourself. That's really nice. It was very condescending because it was extremely hard work. It was so many things. Um, But I thought, you know what, I I can't allow this to potentially happen to another human being.
2: Mm.
1: Like I was afraid to show myself. But I was like, I could not live with myself if someone else, this happened to somebody else, and I could have prevented that from happening. And it's probably, it's a little bit grandiose to be like, I can save someone. Uh, but I thought, you know, if I start to, to share these experiences and even the journey, if anyone anywhere along the journey could be helped, it would, it would actually make my pain worth it. Hmm um the experience of all that devastation it
0: would be worth it oh it's similar to exactly what I did like i was like, if I can help one person escape domestic violence save their life holy shit the years that I went through worth it because I helped someone else get out of it before it was too late kind of thing so I get it and it's it's a beautiful purpose to have to help others and save others I think it's it's selfless kind of thing because we're we're walking the talk, you're not just here and they like, Yeah, go do this. You're actually showing up and you're showing people your journey and your warts and your scars and bloody everything that comes with it. And if you can help one person snap out of it, like and go, This is my worth Oh, it makes the world a difference. It does.
1: Absolutely. And in your case to have I mean, that's a very that's a that's a physical safety issue. That's a and that Like, I mean, the things that can get someone into that situation, mm. you know, at the end of the day, like, you you, you are a shell that is left. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to remain there. And, I mean, you to be such a shining example of that, you know, it's so important when someone's in the depths of it mm. when they can't
0: see the other side. It's really, really hard mm. to see the other side when you're in the depths. It is. And that's where we both we both, we all go through that pain, we all go through that change and it doesn't matter if it's your story or mine, it's still we all go through the same journey, we've just gone through the journey a little bit different and we've, you're sharing, you're showing up, you're sharing your wisdom along the way and even if it was a domestic violence survivor listening to your story or listening to this right now, they might be going, I haven't gone through exactly what you've gone through but I know exactly how you're feeling because, you know, that's, what connects people is our emotions, our feelings. It might not be the same physical story, but the emotional journey that we all go through is the same sort of thing. We all go through all that, and I think um, it's powerful that you're sharing the your story to all these people, and you continue to do that. And if you help one freaking person, holy shit, you know, I know that you'll sleep better at night. Go, you know what? I did my job. I helped someone get through that all. So. I love that. And this goes real, you know, this leads into our sort of last topic around reflections and realizations and stuff like that, lessons learned. So looking back to who you are today, and I would say you're strong, you're powerful, you're stubborn. I love stubborn women. We get <laughs> shit done, okay? <laughs> we know what we want and we go for it, okay? I was in denial for many years that I was stubborn until my mother had a rude awakening for me. And I was like, okay, maybe I am just a little bit. But guess what? I get shit done. and I stand my ground. So I love that. You're the same as me. But looking back to who you are now, looking back, like what was your biggest, I guess, lesson learned and biggest challenge for yourself, do you reckon, going through all that?
1: Mm. It's a hard one to pick. Mm. There have been so many lessons, so many refinements and a lot of realizations in different areas of my life that have helped different elements of myself. So, I mean, if I'm to look at the core, it's it's all about this. It's all about trust. Like trusting yourself, that's what, that's where the confidence comes from. Is listening to that inner voice, listening to that intuition, acting on it, and getting that reinforcement and going, oh wait, like I was right, oh wait, despite uh, what seems to be true, when I finally listen to the voice within that was the right path for me, that was the right decision, that was the right person to confide in, that was the right, you know, move to make and eventually start to really to to back yourself more and more and that confidence builds. I would say
2: it doesn't, it doesn't, it
1: certainly doesn't mean never listen to anyone else um, because people can reflect really important things back to you. It's always good to take these things into consideration.
0: But learning to slow down. yeah, It's like intuition, trusting that gut, that inner voice. No one else can tell you, but you've got it. You can hear it and trusting it. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like that, it it seems like a very broad thing to say, Mm. uh, but it it does feel like it's at the core of every other discovery, Mm. every other lesson. Mm. Because it's it's the North Star. It's what's mm. leading you through.
0: I get that. It's a pattern. It's like this. It's all linked and it comes back down to that. Mm-hmm. And what would be yeah. the biggest challenge that you're you, looking back at all? What was your biggest sort of challenge that you think that you overcame? You know,
1: again, it's really, really hard to say. But the thing that's coming to mind right now is something that I feel like more and more people are asking me about, so I feel like it's it's the right thing. See, this is the intuition going, yeah, that's the right one. Just say it. Yes. <laughs> Listen to it. <laughs> so uh, it got to a point for me where uh, I was was seeing a lot of great things in my life and there are a lot of changes taking place, great people, um, all of these sorts of things. And you know, I was making difference in people's lives, but there was a part of me that was still that was that was completely denied. a part of me that I considered that I had lost.
2: Mm. I
1: was still living in somewhat of a trauma mindset because it was very much a before and after. Mm. It's like that's who I was before. That's not who I can be now. I had this belief system that I was no longer. Uh, a desirable being mm. so I knew that I was attractive out of romantic or sexual contexts and I was happy with that like I had completely owned that and I felt super confident in so many different areas but not that area that area had completely shut off from me like my 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 sexuality my like idea of relationships I just didn't see that on the cards for me and I was very and because I'm independent I don't I don't feel like oh yeah I need a relationship all those sorts of things it started to creep up on me to be like that's a part of myself that I've really that is completely lost and maybe it's something to start to question
2: Mm -hmm. and I
1: know a lot of people who have self-worth I know the broad thing to say self-worth issues or have physical differences you know, they they worry about those things with their partner, with the partner that they like. They have um, and – or if they're single in the dating world. It's like, again, this perception, even though I changed the fact that, oh, I have so much worth in other areas, I feel so worthy in all these, like, these things that make up me, I still had that bias of, Okay, but if someone was to like me romantically or be attracted to me sexually, I would have to look a certain way. So I started to push those boundaries and dive into those belief systems. And I, you know, reflecting on those things, realizing that, like, there were certain memories that came out of nowhere that I, had no recollection of whatsoever up until this point. They weren't huge moments, right? Um, but all of a sudden, I was like, "Well, why do I have? Why do I have this? Like, what's, what what built this journey and identity around this area?" And one thing in particular really came to mind was this this male figure in my life. I was a teenager. And it was at the point where a a prominent lesbian figure um, had married this, this woman who this man thought was extremely attractive, like gorgeous, beautiful. She just married off to another woman. And in that moment, he said, what a waste. What a waste. And to me... I didn't know why at the time, but it it said to me, like, a woman – what is a woman worth unless she is not there to please a man or she is not there to be beautiful for a man? And, you know, there's a million things like that 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 shape that idea and that – those belief systems, but that was one micro moment where it just, like, hit me in the guts, and I was like, that could not be further from the truth. That is absolutely absurd. But when you know, when you can see these things and when you can access those things, you can really just transform it and change it. And uh, so, yeah, I would, I don't know. It's like, I feel like that's... Um, like reconnecting back to that self, mm. that part of myself, because it, it's so connected to creativity, it's so connected to inspiration, um, it's connected to an energy, mm. like an aliveness. You know, just having that connection with yourself—it's just another another element that I think mm. is just so important, and one that I think women carry so much shame around. Mm. So, to really to to access that, to challenge that, to go through that, I think was really difficult to face. Mm,
0: I love that. And it's it's a different uh, perspective that people wouldn't have thought of when listening to your story. They would have, you know, said something else, but for you to go, no, it was that, and this is the reason why, and I'm working through it, or, or all that as well. And I love that. So that's powerful. And the last sort of two final questions i have for you one of them it'll be interesting to see what you say about um your sort of reflection and advice for that but for who you were to, who are, who you are today sorry and if you had to go back in time and start this again and go through this journey again what's one piece of advice you would give yourself from who you are today to the person that's going to go back through all this again
1: to go through it again <laughs>
0: I love that you're thinking, you're like, oh fuck that. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. A
1: bot, a bot. It's funny, it's one of those situations where it's like, that is unimaginable. Yeah. To go through all that again. But you wouldn't change it. Yes. it's it's, it's a very difficult, it's a very interesting situation. So yeah. Like there's no way I would want to go through that again. Yeah. However, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for who I am. Mm. So, um, I would, I would say, I would say to her that you've got this.
2: Mm.
1: Focuses, focus on who you want to be, and be her.
0: Powerful. I love that, and that's advice for anyone can take. So, if they're going through something similar, trust it. Be who you want I to be know. and stop focusing on what your body looks like as well. We've said that multiple times throughout this whole freaking thing. At the end of the day, and I can't remember, there was a quote and it said, you know, when it comes to dating and stuff like that, stop look, like focusing on what they look like, you know. When you have a long-term relationship, you want to figure out, you want to be with someone who you want to talk to for the rest of your life kind of thing. Like, focus on those elements. Like, on your rocking chair, being cranky on people, judging people walk by on their bloody hovercrafts probably <laughs> in the next, like, 50 years. Who do you want to sit there talking to and just being in this sort of quality, of their, 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 their company and having those sort of quality conversations with? And that comes down to underneath your bloody looks and your skin. Because guess what, guys? We don't stay like this forever unless Elon must find some magical bloody robot thing that does. But, no, reality is... We don't, and it comes within, that's for sure. I think that's powerful. Um, the last question that I was going to ask you is, what is your empowering quote that you, you live by?
1: So I have this quote by Nelson Mandela, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the triumph over it. Um, so this idea that, you know, it said a lot of things to me. It says, that the world has this perception of perfection,
2: Mm.
1: that those who are courageous don't have the downs. Mm. They don't have the fear. Mm. That's the preconceived notion, and you can apply that to so many different things. Um... But the truth is we're all fighting those battles. We're all actually human. And there are no ideals where that is not true. Um, there are no exceptions. And so I guess when, you know, remembering when you're in those shitty moments, you're there for a reason, for starters. Uh And you're not alone in that, you know, like every person from every walk of life is going through, like goes through turmoil, goes through ebbs and flows, has the same fears, um, has like has shame, has all these different elements. And. I think something that stops a lot of people is that they think that there's something inherently wrong with them and it's just not true. So this quote that courage is not the absence of fear, it's the triumph over it, like, depicts all those things to Mm. me. Uh, And just one more thing which ties into the stuff that I was saying before, is telling myself, no matter what, you can always be who you want to be, especially during this pandemic. That, is, that has become a line that I tell myself all the time. No matter what, you can always be who you want to be. I'm like, this you can't do. <laughs> this you can't do. This you can't. But <laughs> you can't can. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, you can lose everything. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I feel like it's almost equalized in some way, not completely. This pandemic has sort of brought a lot of people to more empathy and compassion because, mm-hmm. you know, they're starting to realize what it's like for people who are maybe less fortunate mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, that so many things can be taken away from you mm. in a blink of an eye. And, but that, who you are, who you want to be, can never be taken.
0: Yeah, unless you choose for it to be taken from you. Yes. Yeah. Powerful quotes from a powerful woman. There we go. I love that. And I love, yes, I love um, that Nelson Mandela one. I haven't heard of that before, but I was like, oh, my gosh, when I was listening to that. Love it. Gee, that's going to be one of your quotes for one of your Instagram posts with that one. Such a wise man. Love that. Um. That's yeah, you know, that's all the questions I have for you. Otherwise we'll be sitting here until like four o'clock drinking wine, talking, because I'm sure that we could probably do that as well. Like we'd like to talk. Really? <laughs> we like to talk, we're talkers. So did you have any questions for me? I always like to spin it around and have my guests ask me anything so it doesn't look like I've just interviewed you for the last hour. <laughs> which you kinda have. Yeah, which um, I kinda have, but I just like to you know, false advertise it at the end like I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I would love
1: to know the moment for you that gave you the courage mm. to, to escape, to leave, to save yourself because um, I imagine it's just, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. And did you have your son at that time?
0: Mm. Good question. Um, there was lots of little what I call like aha, aha moments, like, holy shit, what am I doing? Like it was like every day there was always like a little moment of I need to fucking get out. Like what am I in? I absolutely like hate the person that I'm with. Like hated him but I was terrified of him kind of thing. So I was like the easiest way because the most, um, the scariest time or the most high-risk time is when you're leaving and especially if you haven't got a good plan to leave, um and a solid one to stay committed to yourself to stay out because if you go back in it will be a lot fucking worse for you kind of thing so i was very conscious of that and i remember there was a couple of quotes um that really because i love to read so that's what i used to do was just to read to escape the reality that i was in but also set myself up for success. Like I wanted to make sure I had the right mindset before leaving because I can't remember, there's a percentage on one of the websites to say how many people end up going back into the relationship because they hadn't got their mindset right. So I was like, no, get your shit together before you pull the escape cord, you know, escape for good. That's what it was for me. Um, And there was a quote that said, I think it was how – Elrod. Um, And it said, the moment you take responsibility for every aspect of your life um, is the moment that you take control of every aspect of your life. Because for me, I was blaming so much on him and I wasn't taking responsibility for my own actions for choosing to stay. So because I felt so powerless when I read that, I was like, wait a minute, if I start accepting responsibility for being in that sort of situation, I get control back. Like I get a power within myself to then leave because I'm a big believer and it's really a confrontational sort of topic to talk about to go, oh, my gosh, you know, the victim or the survivor, it's not their fault. Well, you're choosing to stay and That's a choice that you're making kind of thing. So therefore you need to take responsibility for being part of that relationship and accepting that level of standard in your life, which is hard. It's a hard fucking topic to talk to yourself about because you're in denial for so long going, no, it's not me, it's not me. And then you go, wait a minute, who got me in here? Did I start dating this person? Who's choosing to stay every single day? Like it's one of those moments and For me, that was my moment of, I say, power reading that quote. Um, But then the moments that I said I needed to go, there was another quote and it said, never be in a relationship where you would scold your son for treating a woman that way and you would basically lose your shit if your daughter was treated that way kind of thing. And that's the moment I had for my son to go, if I continue to stay in this relationship, I'm therefore saying that his behaviour is acceptable therefore that he can treat a woman that way and I went no fucking way (laughs) no way can I let my son think that's acceptable and thankfully he wasn't the father of my child so that's so good um he was just someone that got me good after that breakup and he was narcissistic and everything like he had all these things in his head so I was a perfect target for him but for me And I've had many conversations with domestic violence survivors. The moment you put that onto your children is when I think you really take that control back because I think we, that shame, that embarrassment, you're like whatever you can do, whatever you want to me kind of thing. But the moment you go, hey, that's impacting my children, you're like, oh, hell no kind of thing. It's like this thing snaps in you. So those were my sort of two moments of powerful quotes that really got me sort of moving.
1: I think that's a really, really important point when you talk about the impact to, to your children because in those situations where you've been manipulated and put down and stripped back mm. and, you know, you're not really, like, feeling yourself. Mm. You're not, like, it's, it's hard to be motivated for yourself because you feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. And you're not a piece of shit. Mm. But it puts it into perspective when you go, My child's everything. Mm -hmm. I would do anything for them. Mm -hmm. I get myself together. Yeah, that kind of wake up call. It's like, no, I need to be there for me, to be there for my son. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that perspective, which is so difficult, but powerful. But I'm also really curious about this whole responsibility thing because it is, it is a difficult topic to talk about. But I think it's because. People confuse blame with responsibility. Did you ever mix
0: those two together? That's a, that's a, really, good, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so for so long, I remember I blamed him for kind of everything. Like I got myself out of there. I took responsibility for that. But then once I got out, I never sort of dealt with it to go, oh, I had a real – role to play in that sort of thing i was like no it's my responsibility to get out that's how I was sort of trying to convince myself it wasn't a the whole relationship realization that i had to take responsibility for the whole thing was after i got out it wasn't like sort of during it um so yeah i did blame him for a lot um but then i another freaking quote See, I'm like full of book book of quotes mate like seriously <laughs> you should do a podcast of no, quotes
2: Um, I know, there was, I know,
0: there's so many quotes. So there was another one that said, uh, your pain may not be caused by you, but your healing is your responsibility. And it just just shook me. It shook me and went, holy shit. Yes, he caused so much pain to me, but me blaming him ain't going to fucking heal me. Like the only person, like me waiting for a fucking apology from him, Ain't going to happen. And if it if did, he wouldn't be authentic. He'd be doing it to cover his own fucking ass. There would be no, like, I don't value him as a person anymore. So watch me wait. Like, what would it mean to me if he was like, oh, I'm sorry, Ashley. I'd be like, great. I have no respect for you. So your words mean nothing to me, if that makes sense. So, you don't. Know, I think people wait for that. Like, oh, they need to say sorry. No, they fucking don't. You know, you need to stop. Putting so much weight on their words and their apology, and making that as an excuse to stop you from healing and moving forward. Um, you know, I know some people will disagree with that, and that's okay. We all have our opinions, but for me, in my situation was not like it's my responsibility to heal myself, to go grow from it, and go through that. So sort of, that sort of journey and. Mate, I am so much stronger for it, like so much. So you have to, very controversial yet again, but I'm thankful for what I went through because there's no fucking way I would have discovered my strength. No way if I hadn't gone through that to see who I am today, if that makes sense. Like you wouldn't take it back. Was it shit? Yes. Will I end up in a situation like that again? Oh, hell no, because I've learnt from it. Um, but it's made me so much wiser. It's made me have so much value and self-worth for myself that I didn't even know I didn't have um, back then because I was just confident and young, and then that does not mean that you have value for yourself, or worth. It's just a shell kind of thing. So I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about my strength, like this, hidden capability I didn't even know these skill sets I developed and so didn't know that it was there like it was it was a journey but I don't know I'm just I'm so proud and happy with who I am now because of it all. That's a good way. That's
1: amazing and I, I love that I love that you're not relying on him for any validation. Because oh, nah like he needed any more control. Like it's it's your it's your path. I think I think that's when we get a little bit righteous when we're like, well, he owes me. Yes. Well, actually, I don't need or want anything more from him.
0: Yes. You, he doesn't owe <laughs> you shit. Me. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't owe you want, shit. I've <laughs> had enough, and I don't want to even with him.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah i think that's a really empowered perspective and really really awesome
0: so as i said it's controversial how i see things but as most people like domestic violence survivors or you know similar things have come to me they're like you know what people uh, that are ready at that stage of healing and that acceptance stage then they'll be attracted to someone like me but if you're in, still in denial you don't want to borrow me because sometimes we don't want to hear the truth And we don't want to accept that, but it's um, because I've had, you know, I've interviewed a fair few domestic violence survivors and they said, if you caught me a few years ago, I'd be like, nah, fuck that. I'm not listening to her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And now they've gone through that journey and they're at this stage where I am at like this full acceptance, acknowledgement of responsibility. They're like, I get it. It's you have to be ready to hear it um, because, people don't want to hear the truth sometimes because they're not ready to process it and acknowledge it kind of thing. So, and it will be the same thing for you as well. Through your sort of journey, people will be attracted to you when they're ready for it or they need that help. But until then they're like, nah, I'm not dealing with Jess. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Um, but yeah, that's life for you though. But I just want to say, I have loved this conversation. I love that we're both very deep thinkers. Like, just how we process things and architect, uh, articulate. Sorry, can't even speak now. Um, I love that. That's perfect. Bye. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> and I've just failed everything that I was just saying. Articulate the way that we, you know, the messages that we're coming across. And I love that. People with deep connections and thinking. I love that. That's my chip. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your empowering story. Like, Oh, my gosh. I've learned so much and I've written down so many quotes and I've got to probably, like, pick four of them out of the bloody 20 that I was writing down um, throughout all of that. But you should be so proud of who you are and where you've come. Like, seriously. Thank you. Right back at
1: you. I'm really glad we've connected. I'm so I'm so happy
0: you reached out. I know. And as I say to everyone, this is not a transactional thing. I don't like transactional relationships. I love those long term for the journey so I'd love to be part of your journey to see how far you go and where you go in life um and I'd love for you to be part of mine as well absolutely perfect well thank you so
2: much Jess